your dreams can be your reality. You all, time isn't real. Okay, that is fucking crazy. Spirituality, manifestation, travel, money, entrepreneurship. Welcome to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Wright. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'm going to kick off by asking you a question. Are you someone who is super creative, super multi-passionate, has so many different interests, and you've been told to either niche down or pick a lane? I know I have. In my very first group coaching mastermind that was high ticket, six months, it was constantly, constantly ingrained in us to niche down. So instead of trying to do, you know, five different things at once, just pick a lane, niche down, and then you'll be successful. Now, here's the thing. I've done that before and it's worked. So I'm not here to argue against that standpoint. I actually really think when you niche down, it makes sense. You're drilling down to a very specific message that's easy for people to understand, right? Think of when you go to a pizza joint and all they serve is pizza and beer. You're like, I know when I go there, I'm getting pizza and they're doubling down on pizza, making it the best pizza possible. So I know when I go there, I'm not going to get sushi or steak. I'm getting pizza. I go to that one store for pizza. So that works. However, if you're multi-passionate and you're into so many different things and you start to niche down, you start to feel a little bit suffocated and like you're not expressing your full self. So you're like, wait a second, I love spirituality and I love travel and I love plants and I love fashion and I love hiking. And then you want to monetize it all. You're like, wait, I actually think I could make a really cool travel guide for people when I when they travel. I want to be able to help them out. I also think I could make a fashion blog and monetize that. Wait, I also really think I could make a guide for houseplants and how to use houseplants and buy the best ones and understand which ones need light and which ones need not so much light. And your brain starts spinning into all these different ideas. I know because I've been there. If you followed me last year, you watched these ideas and this concept in motion. I was launching programs around spirituality, around creativity, around podcasting, around mindset, around manifestation. And one could argue, oh, well, those are kind of all under the same umbrella, you know, business, mindset, manifestation. But each program was so different that it actually was really hard for me to launch them because I was quickly changing my messaging without really giving it time to not even soak in with myself, but with my audience. And so this constant pivot without really focusing on a structure or a plan honestly burned me out. And I will tell you, I had many failed launches last year. You know what? I won't call them failed. I'll just say didn't go as planned, including one where I literally thought it was going to be the digital product that like blew up my business. I remember my VA messaged me and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm nervous because we worked so hard on it. We thought it was going to get like all this incoming traffic and nothing happened. Literally no one bought it. I think there were like two clicks and they were probably from me and my VA. And I'm telling you this because... I didn't have structure or planning, and I was constantly trying to monetize and show all my passions to everyone all at once. And there's nothing wrong with being multi-passionate. This is why today I had Deanna Joy on to talk about why your gifts are not a burden. 
being multi-passionate is not a burden. You don't have to pick a lane. You don't have to niche down. You don't have to get rid of everything you love and just, you know, focus on one thing for the rest of your life. But what you probably do need to do is focus and prioritize. And that was the missing piece for me last year. I didn't have priorities. I would just say, oh my God, I want to talk about spirituality. So I had the idea Monday. By Tuesday, I want to launch and I want to have a program running by Friday. Maybe it wasn't that quick, but it really was that quick in my mind. Like I would blow up my VA and my team being like, I have a new idea. Let's do it. Let's run with it. And they're like, whoa, okay, hold on. Like, let's set up the back end. Let's make sure your processes are running. Like, do you even have a sales page up? And my mind was just so quick and visionary and fast that I was like, no, we'll figure it out and get it done without taking into account all the structures and systems that needed to be in place for that creativity and messaging to land. So this whole concept is something that Deanna and I get into today. And I'm so thrilled to have her on because I know some of you are listening right now being like, wait, so I can actually do everything I want, but I just need to figure out how. Yes, that's literally what Deanna is going to talk about today. So Deanna is a multi-passionate educator. She's a community builder and a content creator. She believes having many passions is a gift, not a burden. Amen. And she's on a mission to rewrite the narrative around choosing one thing. That is not the only path to success. She has an ebook, a signature course, and a podcast called Multi-Passionate Mastery, one of my faves, by the way. And she teaches creatives how to make friends with focus and overcome overwhelm. Multi-Passionate Mastery, y'all, just so some transparency with her podcast, we work together. And what was interesting is, yes, I was her coach in helping her launch her podcast, but in listening back to her content, I was like, oh my God, things are clicking left and right. I understand now why structure is not a dirty word. I understand having systems in place actually will help you thrive and your creativity will blossom. If you're like me and you love moving quick and you have all these ideas and you're ready to launch them by tomorrow you often miss the piece that is system and structure and you end up hating it. And you're like, no, I want to go with the flow. That's not me. I don't work with rigid systems. Life is easy, easy breezy. Who cares? And that was me all of last year. I'm telling you structure and systems and having focus will help you thrive. I honestly, more than you can imagine. And that's what I've been doing the last three to six months. If you've noticed, I've kind of really been focusing only on podcast coaching. That's not to say I won't ever offer mindset coaching or mindset workshops again. It's just right now, my season of focus is podcast coaching. And I really need to nail down the messaging and the systems and structures so I can have a solid foundation and not build my business on a house of cards. So that's what you're going to learn today. I am so freaking excited for you. Definitely get out a pen and paper. You're going to want to take notes. If you've ever been told to niche down, choose a lane, you have too many passions, this one's for you. Before we dive in, I just have a quick announcement that one-on-one podcast coaching is officially open. So if you want to work together on not only launching your podcast, but the mindset piece that comes with it, you know, what do you do when you go to record and you freeze up? or you don't like the sound of your voice, or you think you're not creative enough to sustain a long-term podcast. Those are all the things I help you with. So not only are you getting content strategy, learning about SEO, learning how to plan and record an interview and storytell, but you're also getting mindset coaching with it. So one-on-one coaching officially open until the end of this month. So the very end of March, I'll be closing it down until later in June. 
And to be honest, I'm putting this out there not as a sales tactic, but I'm going on an international trip from July to end of October. So my coaching and offers during that period are a little bit TBD because I don't know where I'll be in terms of time zone and also just my capacity for managing a bunch of one-on-one clients while I'm traveling. So that's all to say, I probably will do another enrollment in June. It's just going to be less people until I can sort myself out abroad. So if you've been sitting in this idea and you're like, I'm ready to launch a podcast. I don't want to wait till summer. I feel like this is the time then I'm telling you one-on-one coaching is definitely your best next step. You can DM me at Chelsea Rife if you have any questions or head to the link in my show notes where you can learn all about what one-on-one podcast coaching is, testimonials, and an application. Again, enrollment will close at the end of this month, which is March 31st. So if you feel like one of those spots is yours, definitely apply. And one more thing before we dive in. If you leave a rating and review and send it to info at chelseyrife.com or at chelseyrife, I will send you a custom Notion template launch plan, which is the most amazing thing I think I've created. Uh, I'm not kidding. This has everything you need to launch a podcast. It has links. It has video tutorials. It has resources. It has spaces to plan. If you are into Notion or learning about Notion, it's just a much more interactive planning and project management document or software actually, but this document specifically will help you so much with planning and launching your podcast. It's actually what I give to my one-on-one clients, but you're getting it completely free if you leave a rating and review. So again, all you have to do, write a review. This is specifically on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot, send it to me before you submit because Apple takes forever and just send it to info at chelseyrife.com or at chelseyrife and I will send you that custom podcast launch plan. All right, everyone, without further ado, let's dive into this week's episode with Deanna Joy. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited about today's guest. She is a beautiful client turned friend. She is one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram and now one of my new favorite podcast hosts. Welcome to the show, Deanna Joy. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk to you. You're a multi-passionate educator and brand new podcast host. What does it feel like to add podcast hosts to your Instagram bio? It feels so surreal at times because the podcast was something that was in my um, like one day space. It was my someday project. Like eventually I want to launch a podcast and it feels so great to see that timeline collapse. Thanks to working with you for getting it out of the door and having it out into the world. And I'm only on episode seven right now. Episode eight comes out next week and I'm already in the top like 10 list of podcasts for multi-passionates. If you do a Google search. Oh my God. (laughs) I have chills. Like, holy shit. That is a big accomplishment. And that speaks to the level of your work and what you're talking about. That's something that I was so excited to work with you because not only am I a multi-passionate, but when we were going through your episode planning, I'm like, this is really valuable content that I don't hear anybody talk about. So before we dive into all that, can you actually walk us through what it means to be multi-passionate? Sure. Yeah, I have my definition. I won't say that this is the definition. I invite everyone to try this on for size. And if it doesn't fit, adjust as needed. But for me, a multi-passionate person is someone who not only has many interests, 
because we all have many interests. It's rare to meet someone who doesn't have more than one interest. But when you also have a raw talent that matches those interests. So versus just being curious about a lot of things, most things that you try, you're probably really good at. You're not afraid to try new things. You pick up skills kind of quickly. And right there, you're starting to get into the multi-passionate territory. Add to that this inherent desire to want to share your gifts with other people and this desire to figure out like, okay, where does this get to go? What do I get to do with all of this? That curiosity and that desire and that passion, that creates the multi-passionate experience. And it's a beautiful way to live. It's a beautiful way to be. But unfortunately, it's still widely misunderstood. So a lot of people who are multi-passionate get stuck in the space of wanting to figure out how to make it presentable. How do I make this acceptable? How do I show up with all these things that I'm good at and interested in and not confuse people? So it's this constant seesaw going back and forth of being fine with being multi-passionate, but then wanting to like kind of manage it and figure out, you know, what it looks like in a world that just doesn't cater to people like us. So my podcast is here to bridge that gap and to show that there is more than one way to exist in the world. My favorite point of reference is we have introverts, we have extroverts, and in our society, both are really accepted. We've gotten to that place in our society where we don't necessarily say that one is better than the other. We, we just are starting to realize there's more than one way to express. And I'm working on moving multi-passionates into that same space where we have specialists and we have multi-passionates and it's all fine. (laughs) Everyone has a place and it's not a huge deal and no one's better than anyone else. And and so, yeah, that's that's what I believe a multi-passionate person is. and, And that's who I show up for every single day in my business. Oh, I love that. And I know you guys can't see my video, but I'm furiously nodding along because <laughs> like you mentioned, a lot of multi-passionates are really almost forced when they start out coaching to pick a lane, pick one topic, niche down, find your one ideal client. That's who you're speaking to. And if you're multi-passionate, it literally feels like debilitating. You're like, I know I want to help more people in different areas of life, but I have to say, I do see that flip side of it can also feel confusing if you go to someone's website and they offer a hundred different things, it's actually unclear and unclear doesn't really turn into converting. So how do you manage that? How do you talk to people that are multi-passionates that want to start a business, but don't want to be confusing? Mm-hmm. Such a great question. And my advice is a little bit counterintuitive, but I like to think about it like frozen yogurt. So let's pretend it's a hot day. and The Froyo shop is open and it's safe to go in and all of that good stuff. When you walk into a frozen yogurt shop, the first thing you do is you grab a little taster cup and you start trying out different flavors. And you're thinking about like, oh, this one tastes good with this one, or this one has a weird aftertaste, or like, okay, this is cool for this taster cup, but there's no way I could eat a whole, you know, bowl of this. You're you're weighing all these different options as you're tasting the flavors. And then something clicks and then you know, okay, I'm ready to go grab my big cup and commit to a few different flavors. And if you're like me, I'm like, it's like crushed up Oreos in the bottom and then one flavor and then like another topping and then another flavor like to create interest in this bowl, right? And when you walk into the frozen yogurt shop, no one says to you, 
how dare you come in here and try things before you grab your big cup? You are all over the place. You are so indecisive. You are so wishy-washy. You will not be successful. If you go into a shoe store, you look around at your options, you try a few pairs on, when you feel good about the way something looks and feels, then you purchase the pair of shoes. And maybe you do buy more than one. And the attendant in the shoe store is not throwing shade and telling you that you're a failure, right? So I think it's really fascinating that we have all these spaces in our lives where having choices is glorified. But when it comes to business, it's like, nope, just figure it out today. You don't get to play. You don't get to test and change. Just you need to know what you're doing. Otherwise, everyone's going to be confused and no one's going to take you seriously. So when a client comes to me and is in that space of like, okay, well, I want to do this and this and this, and I don't want to confuse people. There's a couple ways we can approach that. Number one, the first thing I say is it sounds like you're in little cup phase (laughs) and we can be okay with that. If we can be intentional about everything that you're doing right now and gathering data and gathering information about your likes, your loves, your dislikes, your yeses, your hell no's, and we can use this time for you to get to know who you are as a person, make it less about the thing that you're doing and more about who you are becoming in the process, that self-knowledge, that self-confidence from letting yourself try things and understanding it's not the end of the world if you do pivot. That is the space from which maybe we can go into creating a season of focus around one particular goal or outcome. But before a person has that confidence and that self-knowledge, what's the point of choosing? Because you're most likely going to backtrack and throw it all away because it's not going to feel like you, right, in a couple of months. So I give a lot of permission. That's really my style of coaching is what if it's okay? What if you tell your audience I really hope this isn't confusing. I'm going to read you a poem today. Like, what's the worst that could happen? You know, if if you lose some followers or something because you do something a little different, I don't think those people are going to be able to keep up with you as a multi-passionate business owner. So let them go. You know, you want people in your world who are excited. Like I release podcast episodes, I call them interludes. And they're kind of like bonus episodes that are not, in the standard format where I'm talking. So I have a couple where I'm singing. I'm going to release a guided meditation for one in a little bit. But if someone was to hear one of my interlude episodes with me singing a song and go, oh, I cannot follow this podcast. How dare she sing? That is, I lovingly release them because that's not my person. So this is sort of how I I relate to a client who may come to me in that space, which is really, 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 really frequent. Like that's a lot, a lot of multi-passionates are in that space of feeling like they're, they, it's like this inability to give ourselves time to experiment and to test things out when in every other area in life, it's totally acceptable. I think that's just so interesting. Yeah. You're right with the, the shoe example and the Froyo example and everything like even college classes which you pay thousands of dollars for you take electives which are completely experimental classes like you don't actually use the elective usually in your post-grad but you're still paying for the class and no one cares they're not like wow you wasted all this money on an elective and it's like yeah I wanted to be active in the middle of the day in my college career it's it's so funny that that got my wheels spinning of how much we do experiment outside of business but then when it comes to business it's like nail down one thing, don't even think about looking outside of the box, 
or else you're screwed. And it brings me to a question around monetizing. And I know you have a bunch of passions, which I want to get into too. How do you choose which of these should be a monetized offer and which should these just be fun, personal things I can keep to myself? Yeah. I mean, honestly, the choice is in the action. So I'm trying to actually think like, what is my thought process in it? Sometimes it is just that feeling when you get an idea and your whole body tingles and you just know you have to do it. And maybe you even don't talk to people about it because you don't want anyone talking you out of it. And you start to feel protective over this idea because you know it's so great. That feeling, it doesn't always mean that the idea that you carry out is going to be the thing you do forever. But it probably means that that idea came into your awareness so that you could pursue it and then learn something. So I had an idea several years ago to open an Etsy shop to sell vintage items because mainly I love to thrift shop. And I was like, hold on, I can thrift shop like and make it a business? Like, this sounds great. And I like the hunt. I like going multiple times a week and going to different areas. Like, that is so fun for me. And so I was going and doing like basket arrangements and all of this stuff. And I thought, well, I don't need all this stuff, but someone should have this. And I thought, oh, I could open an Etsy shop. And the idea at the time took over my being. I saw the brand. I mean, it was like I saw the idea in completion and I just had to do it. Now, in the practice of choosing to monetize my love for thrift shopping, thrift shopping and vintage goods, I learned what it actually means to monetize thrift shopping and vintage goods because how do we know unless we try? Going into the Froyo shop and reading all the names of the flavors is fine, but like live a little bit and taste it. You know what I'm saying? So I did it and it turned out that I didn't love it. It was not fun. I did not like going to the post office multiple times a week. Etsy is like a whole other world. It was too much to figure out. And I held on to it for actually a little bit too long because I was afraid to publicly let it go in case people would think like, oh, I thought you were multi-passionate. Like, what do you mean you're not going to do everything at once? Um, But I eventually did let it down. And then I realized, yeah, I, I can thrift shop for gifts for my family. I can thrift shop when I want to change up my decor, but this is not something that I want to monetize anymore because I tried that and it didn't work. So sometimes it's giving yourself to the idea, giving the monetization a shot, and maybe it would have been great and maybe not. Other times there is simply like a qualifying set of questions that you can ask. And one of the things that I think is really helpful is if you have an idea and or you have a passion and you're starting to feel into do I want to monetize this? Maybe you love, this is another one of the businesses that I had in my previous life. Maybe you love making handmade greeting cards. And so you try, you're like, you know what? I can monetize this. But then you realize you don't want to sit there and make the same greeting card over and over. That takes all the fun out of it. So maybe it is actually more fun to create greeting cards for a specific person and send them to them. Maybe that's where you get to, that's what you get to do for your clients. Maybe there's other spaces where that same idea can show up and support you and live in your life without it being an entirely new business trajectory, without it being something that you need to monetize. So asking yourself, okay, 
I have this passion. I love to do this. If I look at everything I already have going on, is there a place where this passion can show up in support of that? Can I integrate this into structures that I've already built? One of my favorite mantras that I tell my clients all the time is that you've already done 90% of the work. But as creatives, we, we want to create. So developing an entire new business plan, an entire new brand around the greeting cards or the thrift shopping or whatever, it feels exciting for us. But it feels exciting when we're in the imaginary space. When we get into the nitty gritty and we're actually building it, that's calling forward a lot of our creative resources. So who's maintaining the other projects that we've already put out into the world? Now, if you have a team and you've got someone handling the maintenance of your other projects, you do, you may very well have the bandwidth. But that's how I like to really help the amazing creatives in my world start to look at things. You've already done 90% of the work. Do you really need to have an entirely new trajectory for this idea or can you invite it into some structures you've already built? I'm not saying don't do it. You see the difference there? A lot of coaches would just say, no, you don't get to do that right now because we're not done with this. I don't do that. I simply give permission. I ask questions. I lay forward a few different options because I'm multi-passionate and I know how other multi-passionates are. No one wants to be told what to do or be confined to a box. That's just going to make someone rebel. <laughs> so I don't coach that way and I don't teach that way. And I always tell anyone, you can do whatever you want. Right. But here's what I would do if I was wanting to to be the least overwhelmed or if I was wanting to have the most time freedom or if I was wanting to go at a pace that allowed me to continue to rest. Here's how I would lay it out. These are the kinds of ways that I talk people through it. So there's no cut and dry answer to how do you choose what to monetize or not. It's an internal personal process that's going to probably come through some trial and error. But I think looking at the structure you've already built. Thinking about if your idea can support it is a really good place to start. That's excellent advice because as someone who was very much experimenting last year, I didn't have, I didn't think of it in the way you're saying into, let me just plug this into a structure that already exists. I was trying to recreate the wheel with every single offer, like totally new offer, didn't have the tech set up, would need new software, would need a new marketing plan. And then it wouldn't work because I wouldn't really have the structure laid out. And then I would move to the next thing. And then you look back at the year in review and you're like, I launched a million things and none of them like really took off. And it's honestly because I did not have the structure in place. And I feel like structure is a dirty word for creative people because we think it interrupts our flow. We're like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not going to tell me to have structure because I live in La La Land. I like to draw in the morning. I like to read at night. I like to sketch in the afternoon. And I just have this big aha moment in the last, honestly, three months. And it is actually a lot from working with you and listening to your podcast where it hits you like structure creates freedom to create. So can you talk about that and why structure is not actually your enemy? So much structure. First of all, last year was literally the same for me. I was like, okay, new month, new offer, like <laughs> new funnel, new everything. And I have no regrets because in retrospect, now I've learned something from that. And I'm sure it's the same for you. You know, now you can step into this new year or whatever, a new quarter and go, okay, I tried having tons of different offers with different funnels. Let me see what it's like to streamline a little bit and put more of my resources into these. 
And like, that is so beautiful. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. So thank you for saying that because I want everyone listening to understand this is what we're saying. Live your life and then become curious about your process and it's going to all work out. So I'm really glad you said that. But let's talk about structure because it's just my favorite thing. So first of all, um, I know your listeners are probably into human design. So I will say that my submission over handing myself over to structure and allowing structure to really show up in my life is largely due to my human design because I'm a Sagittarius sun and moon and a Pisces rising. So if we look just at my astrological placements in those major, you know, spaces, structure, eh, Sagittarius is kind of like, no, I don't want to have any plans. And Pisces, like, I just want to go with the flow. So I always thought like, as a creative person, you know, no, I need to just be in flow. But what I have found from learning my human design is that I'm actually a quad left, which means all the arrows at my, at the top of my chart face left. Left placements tend to call in a more masculine energy and the energy of structure, the energy of routine. And so in experimenting with my design, I started to create more structure and then take action and just see how that felt. And I have a saying in my business, like if there's not an Asana board for it, I cannot even move. I cannot take the first step. Now I'm really into Airtable. It's like the same thing, you know, having these places to put structure. And the reason that structure can be so supportive for creatives is because when you see exactly what's going on in a system that's outside of your brain, you can still make choices. So if you have something that has a due date on it and you have a day, you know, life is just lifing all around you and you need to change that due date. Having the structure and having the date on it in the first place doesn't take away from you the opportunity to simply shift the date around. However, if you don't have that listed out anywhere and you don't even know what you're supposed to be doing next, you actually have less freedom and you spend more time floundering. So a little bit of structure can give you a ton of freedom. And I will say that because I'm very anti-blanket advice, learning your human design can be extremely helpful in this space. I think mostly everyone can benefit from some structure, but the level at which you integrate that will depend on who you are as a person. Also, you might be a person who knows you can benefit from structure, but that might not be your strength. Maybe you don't need to be the one setting up the Asana board, but you wouldn't mind having tasks assigned to you so you know what you need to do every day. Maybe you don't need to be the one building out the Airtable database, but you can bring on a virtual assistant to start, you know, putting all the information about all the podcast episodes you've ever done in one place or blogs or whatever. So I think sometimes, too, we get overwhelmed as creatives because we feel like we have to do it all ourselves. So we feel like, okay, I would love to have more structure. So now I need to research every productivity style. I need to research every project management software. And you really, you don't, you can outsource that. So, you know, you want to, you want to play to your strengths and outsource those things that don't feel good for you. So someone who comes to me, who's already highly structured, that's just how my brain works. And if they say to me, well, here's what I want to do this year, I can create an Asana board in like a second, because that's how my brain works. But not everyone's brain is like that. But I mean, I just love structure. I, I think there's something really like, it just feels, it, I'm like trying to find the word. 
it feels like you're taking yourself with a certain level of like seriousness. I don't know if that's the word, but I definitely don't want to say professional because I think there's that's we're we're rewriting that, and I'm really happy that we're that we're moving away from that paradigm. But there's something about showing up for yourself and creating that masculine structure within which to flow that feels really supportive and can really accelerate your growth. It's just giving into it a little bit and allowing it to be in support of your creativity and reminding yourself that having structure in place, it doesn't take away your choices. I think that is the biggest thing. Like we feel like, oh, well now everything's in a sauna. So like, I can't, oh, I can't flow. I can't take a day off. But it's like, not only can you take a day off, you can see exactly which tasks need to be moved to tomorrow. Like, and that is some boss shit. Like that feels good, you know? So I don't know. What, what what would you say? So you said in the past three months, you've been like really leaning into it. So what has oh, been, yeah. like, how, how has it been showing up for you? I know you love Notion. Sometimes it is like falling in love with the platform that can really help too. Well, it's funny because I've been experimenting with Notion and then that wasn't working out. I was experimenting with Asana and then Trello. Mm-hmm. And you know what's been working is it's a system is Monday hour one where you brain dump all your tasks and then you assign them out. But the way I do it is I brain dump all my tasks. And then I, I'm really good at seeing like, okay, this is at least going to take me 30 minutes. This one's going to take an hour. This one will take five minutes. And if I do a co-working session with someone, I've learned that body doubling, which is when someone's on a call with you, you can literally just mute out and be on Zoom together has been a game changer. So I do Monday hour one with other people and I fly through my like little baby five minute tasks. And that has been really helpful. So like you said, that it's a system that I had to learn to create. And I think what you're saying is true. We think if it's in a project management software, I wrote it down, I'm locked into it as if I can't move it, as if I'm not the creator of my own business. And it just made me realize the system I created that created a lot of freedom was my podcast application. So Mm. before that, it was very manual. It'd be like, oh, you want to work with me? Hit me up on DM or email. We'll go back and forth. Now I have to send you a Calendly Calendly link. Then you have to book a call. Then I'll send you a Zoom. It was just like that itself could take hours. Now it's like, bing, bing, bing. You fill out the application. I approve it on the back end. Then it sends you a link. Then I approve the link. Then it's just so much simpler. And I actually told that story on one of my podcasts because I'm like, you guys, that actually means I could do all that from the comfort of my phone on the beach, literally approving an application, setting that up and whatever. Before I would have to be like, oh shit, I got to go back to my laptop, do all this stuff. And now I don't have to do that. So that's an excellent example of that structure and system created a whole lot of free time in my schedule. A hundred percent. And a lot of systems and structure only need to be set up once. If you do it in a way that is strategic, you can make templates that are so easy to duplicate. And I will say as well, as a person who is stepping into hiring more and more support, if you are in a solopreneur space, if you can start project managing yourself a little bit, it is so much easier to bring people in and ask them to support you. Because the first thing that they're going to want to know is like, okay, well, what software are we using? How am I going to know what my tasks are for the week and things like that? So I, I'm fortunate because my last nine to five, which I'm almost at a year of leaving, so exciting. But my, my last nine to five, I was a project manager. 
And I had no previous project management experience. I was an account director before. So I had experience with clients and sending emails and staying on top of things, but I didn't have project management experience. So I accepted this job and I was like, can I spend the first week just taking a course and learning? And they said, sure. And I spent most of that whole week really just learning Asana, learning that platform, and then also learning interpersonal skills of how to manage a team. And then I put those together and I onboarded our entire company onto Asana. And I was in charge of not just like myself and assigning tasks myself, but every other department and then following up and making sure those tasks were complete. So when I left that job, and this is something I always do, any pivot, and for me leaving that job, it was a pivot, probably the biggest pivot of my life, but still a pivot. And multi-passionists, listen closely. This is a life hack. When you pivot, journal, like take some time and self-reflect and ask yourself, what from this situation do I want to take with me into the next thing? Because, and I'm trying to not go on a tangent, but Pivoting is another thing that has like a bad rep because people think you're just throwing away all this time and energy. But if you can be thoughtful about the skills you've gained and then realize that you don't have to leave that behind, you can take that with you. There's so much room for growth. So when I did my pivot to, you know, go into entrepreneurship full time, I did some self-reflection about what do I want to take with me? I was like, project management. I'm about to project manage the shit out of myself. Like if I can do this for a whole team, I know I can do this for myself. And that mixed with what I had learned about human design, it all just kind of snowballed. And now, I mean, it's exactly like what you're saying. I have so much freedom. I look at my podcast schedule. If I want to change an episode that's coming out, I just change the information and it's just so simple and it's so easy. Um, so I think it's just really understanding that the structures are there to support you in your creative expression, not to detract from it. And if you feel like it is taking away from your creative expression, then invite in some more flow, you know, because I'm sure that Chelsea, I'm sure you have practices where you intentionally flow, whether that's journaling or whether that's doing a hobby passion, you know, that you're not monetizing or other areas in your life. So it's not to say overhaul everything and make everything super rigid and structured. It's just maybe asking the question, what level of structure can I have in my life that would make me feel supported and invite even more freedom? And then just let the answers come. And again, throw your method, like try some shit out. And if you don't like it, you do not have to put it in your big cup. You have, you have choices. <laughs> yeah, that's the main thing. You have choices. So, um, but I'm telling you, as a super multi-passionate person, I would not be able to pull off 90% of what I'm able to do and put out work and produce content and just do what I'm doing. I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't have structures in place first. The structures help me feel confident to start to take that action. So I hope someone listening just tries it. Like, yeah. Try moving away from one huge to-do list and just see if you can add a little bit more structure to that. Like take baby steps, you know? Yes. Is there something that you want to do? Like I love what you said. You have certain tasks you want to just knock out at the beginning of the week so they're not taking up space like in your head for the rest of the week. Co-working with someone online is a great way, like you said, to make sure that you do that. Because those are the tasks where we're like, I can watch a show while I do this and it's fine if I'm on Instagram, you know? But if you're like, on the computer with someone, you're kind of like, all right, let me just stay focused, you know? So I hope someone listening 
will try. DM yeah. Chelsea. Let her know DM, we'll try. Let, DM Diana. <laughs> oh my, Diana's yeah. a multi-passionate with the project management background. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you're bringing up just so many great points. I feel like I could take this so many different directions, but you know what I realized? And this is actually from doing a shadow work exercise in the last week where I'm working through the idea of structure and discipline and not framing it as a bad thing. And I realize this goes to your point of being ser- like, th- there's a level of seriousness that comes with creating structure is I was like, if I am structured or disciplined, I'm going to seem boring. And then I'm going to seem like scrap, not scrappy. And I almost like being scrappy. It's like, you know, yes, I got it done at the last hour again. And I pulled it off and another miracle win for me. And it's like, <laughs> CEOs don't operate on last minute operations. Like, you know what I'm saying? You don't grow and scale a company by being a last minute producer or doing things scrappy, like CEOs and people that have solid teams in place. This is actually a great point for hiring teams too, is like, if you bring on someone and it is such a mess that they can't even sift through it, they're not going to be the asset that they're supposed to be because it's going to be too chaotic. So I actually feel like my, my VA and I are probably a good example. Like I'm actually still working on finding my systems and structures. Thank God she's structured, but I did have this self-awareness enough to know here are my weak spots. I know I need to work on scheduling. I know I need to work on applications so that I'd have a system. She was able to build that. Like you said, you can outsource your weaknesses to help you. So I think that's a point too, as being multi-passionate does not also mean you have to wear every single hat in the business either. Absolutely. It really, it really does not. It doesn't. And it's just baby steps. Like it's, it's baby steps. It's how can I go from one huge list to like, here's the things I'm going to do on Monday and here's the things I'm going to do on Tuesday and Wednesday. You know, it's, it's baby steps. And then noticing when you want to rebel too is important. Like, okay. I realize for me, it's like, I can only have a certain amount of calls on my schedule each week, or I'm like ready to abandon the business. I'm like, nope, uh, this ain't for me. <laughs> like, I can't do this. So it's really knowing what works for you. And there's so much space for that scrappy energy in the business. That's when you're brainstorming. That's when you're planning a fun marketing campaign. Like those, there are so much spaces for those energies to still come in. But like you said, it's wearing that CEO cloak or that archetype. And then I know you love archetypes, so that was, that one was for you, just throwing that out there. But it's, um, yeah, it's what would a CEO do? And and it, you can be, what would a creative CEO do? Well, you know, um, we're going to do a group coffee thing every Friday. Like you can build fun structure, you know? Yeah. But having structure in place really, it gives so much. It gives so much freedom. It's really, really powerful. It really yeah. is. Yeah. That's the, I think the biggest takeaway here is structure creates freedom and your freedom is powerful. That is Mm -hmm. why you can be creative. Like it's hard to be able to set aside two hours for writing time. That is fun for you. If you're like, holy shit, I have, I forgot my client recap because I didn't have my system in place to remember the client recap. And now I'm scrambling. Like that's a very Mm -hmm. specific example from my life recently where I'm like, it's because my systems and structures are off that I'm not able Mm -hmm. to really prioritize my other passions, which brings me to my next question around focus. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a specific example selfishly, but I know that okay. listeners will <laughs> listening will be feeling the same because this is clearly our audience is creative, multi-passionate. I have my podcast. My mm-hmm. podcast is fun, but it's also an extension of the business. 
Then I have my coaching clients and courses. And right now I'm doing a writing project, which I'm keeping under wraps because it's kind of a personal project. So it's a writing project. And I also really want to launch a Patreon. And Mm -hmm. I want to do pottery for fun. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a lot of different focuses. How do you find focus and really like finish what you want to finish? Mm, Yes. Okay. Ooh, I'm like all tingly. I have a lot of things to say. So my first suggestion when you have a lot of different things you want to do and they all feel good and you're like almost 100% like all of them are going to happen. It's not if, it's just when, right? I would invite in this concept of seasons of focus. A season of focus is a 90-day container that you dedicate to one specific goal or outcome, specifically to really gaining momentum on a specific goal or outcome. This is not the same as CEO day planning. This is not even the same as quarterly planning. This is you having a conversation with yourself as a creative and allowing this, let's use pottery, okay? Let's use that as an example. Allowing learning the skill of pottery to have its moment front and center on the stage play that is your life, right? If all of your passions are actors in a play, you are the director. And if you went and you saw a play and every single starring actor was standing at the very front of the stage, all talking at once, you would probably leave because you would have no way to orient yourself. You would have no way as the audience member to know what the fuck is going on, right? Plays are very powerful when you have a starring person who comes up, has their moment, and you have the supporting characters come in and fill in the gaps. So that's one way to start thinking about it. Another way to think about it is a dinner party. If you go to a dinner party and there's a large table of of people and every single person's having a different conversation, you don't know where you're going to fit in. You don't know how to orient to that. You don't know if you should sit. You don't even really feel welcome. But if you can see like, oh, these people are talking about that and there's something else going over here and something else going over here, you can figure out where you want to put yourself. So this terminology of seasons of focus is really intentional because seasons change. Seasons do have a, a, an essence of flow to them. They sort of just flow in and out of one, one another. They are cyclical. And so when we can start thinking about, okay, if I want to learn pottery and I want to gain momentum, here's the thing. You're only going to be a beginner once. So what would it feel like to give myself 90 days to allow pottery to be one of my main focuses and one of my main priorities? I'm only going to be a beginner at it once. At first, I might not really get it. It might take me more time. But eventually, I'm going to start getting some energy back and I'm going to know how to make things. At the end of that 90 days, I probably won't even need to spend as much time making it because I'm going to have more skills. I'm going to start getting that energy back. That's the type of thinking that I invite my clients into and anyone who's sifting through multiple projects. Now, how do you know what to start with first? This comes down to doing what I call like an intensive focus session where you give yourself time to actually think about what are your current priorities? You know, a question that I like to ask is, is there something that if you brought into your life would enhance every other area? So the reason I wanted to use the pottery example instead of the business examples 
is because I'm actually developing a new method called the priority mapping method. And I'll give you a sneak peek, but learning pottery, that would give you a lot more than just a new skill. That would open up new neural pathways in your brain to be able to focus on one task. You would be developing new connections between your hands and your eyes, which really, yeah, that that hand-eye coordination opens up new pathways for creativity. I would highly suggest you have a voice note or something available to you because I can guarantee you while you're making pottery, you're going to get a shit ton of great ideas because you're going to be in flow. So if we were to dedicate a season of focus to that and you start to think of this as what are all the skills I'm going to gain as a result of this and will those skills actually make my writing process easier? It becomes way more integrative with how we think about what to start with first. I'm going to prioritize pottery for this next 90 days. And then I'm going to take that newfound focus and concentration that pottery has given me. And I'm going to apply that to my writing process. And that's going to be my next season of focus. You see what I'm doing? And I'm not saying, Chelsea, you have to just pick one thing. Because I don't talk to multi-passionates that way. Because I don't want to be spoken to that way. Right? Because that would just make me leave the room. Be like, ah, you don't get me. Deny, 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 right? Like access denied. But if we can look at it just in a more holistic approach and think about not just the act of the thing that we're doing, but who are we becoming in that act, then we get to have a whole new conversation. And it's that conversation about who am I becoming through this process that for me personally, that's the reason I began to follow through and finish what I started. Because I was more curious about what version of me gets to the end of this project and completes it. Who would I have to be, right? We, we all know this, this question. Who do I have to be to be able to make a beautiful piece of pottery for my sister, right, in your case? Like, who, like what, what is that version of Chelsea? Who do I have to be? And so when you start to think about that, then finishing the project isn't just a list of tasks that you have to complete. It's like, you are the project, you know, and that passion or that thing that you're pursuing, that's just a vehicle that your soul is calling you to choose. And it's all for a reason. So it's really taking a more holistic approach and then starting to map out priorities based on that thinking instead of just, okay, I'll do this and then this and then this. See, that's where structure starts to feel really rigid. So we're just adding in a little bit of flow into that. Let's create some seasons in there. You know, let's see who's going to be the star. You can change the language. Who's going to be my star, um, my starring cast member for the next 90 days? Who's going to be, who do I want in the spotlight? Who is my featured dinner guest at my huge party that with all my passions? Whatever works for you. I don't give a shit. Like, do what works for you. But I know creatives are visual. So pick something that you can get behind. For me, Seasons of Focus just really works. And the podcast, my podcast launch, is the perfect example because there were other things happening in my life. And you remember, I was, I was creating a course. I was in the middle of a group program. There was a lot happening. And I remember telling you, okay, Chelsea, I remember you saying like, so I'm just curious, like, when do you feel like you can really dedicate yourself to the podcast? And I had to say, you know what, after this course launch, I'm moving into a season of focus where this podcast is my priority. And as soon as I made that decision and I did what I needed to do, I created visual cues. I have, I still have the post-it on my monitor that says podcast is the focus. You know, 
I checked in with you. I asked you for accountability and just making sure that I was doing things and that we were checking in. And I also really found ways to hack my excitement to keep my momentum going. So I would get like preview links of episodes that, you know, weren't even on any platform because we weren't at that point. And I would send them to my family and friends and be like, look, I I edited my first episode. Here's what it's going to sound like. And their excitement would get me excited to where I would feel like it was new again. So that's a little hack as well. You got to like hack your excitement because it does wane. That's just normal, you know, just like the moon. It doesn't stay full all the time. So that season of focus, creating that season of focus for the podcast was so powerful because I didn't just think of it as, I want to have a podcast. I thought of it as like, who is the version of me that produces a powerful, potent podcast that's going to help so many multi-passionates? And who's the version of me that's going to show up and, and use their voice in this really intentional, powerful way? You know, who's, who's that person? And it was, I was more interested in becoming that person than I was with completing the project, but I knew that that project was the vehicle that was going to lead me ultimately to that timeline. So all of that, even though we just had this conversation about structure and like that is the most woo way to look at it ever, but that's what I'm saying. It's a both and conversation. So I think about my passions in a very feminine archetype kind of way, in a very flowy way. And then I take that and then I put a masculine, if you will, I put that structure in place and then they get to coincide. And this is how I'm able to gain so much momentum, even though I have a lot of passion. So do you feel like that could help you if you think about it like that with your projects? A hundred percent. Even like you said, just reframing the word, maybe it's not seasons of focus, but my starring cast member, it's, you're not saying the whole cast has to leave and this is a one man show. It's actually, no, the play is made up of multiple cast members. Like that visual really stuck with me and it made me think, okay, the one that, this is my question. Like the, there's actually two that sound really exciting, which is like the mm-hmm. Patreon and mm-hmm. pottery. Um, okay. And here's a question that I think a lot of people will have. Maybe it's not even a question. It's a fear that if you're a new business owner or you're someone starting out or you're building financial stability, experimentation can feel scary Because you're like, what if this literally turns into $0 and I just wasted 30, 60, 90 days on it and now Mm -hmm. I'm actually scrambling? So what would your advice be for that? Yeah, start with the thing that's going to make some money because your nervous system needs you paid, babe. Like, that's just what it is. That's why I worked a nine-to-five for so damn long. It wasn't that I didn't know what I was here to do or that I didn't know that who I was here to help. It was that I wasn't decisive enough to not have that financial support coming from somewhere else. I needed time to experiment and I knew that. So I kept my nine to five so that the burden of not burden, I won't call it a burden because that's a really negative connotation, but so that I wasn't making choices based on needing cash. Now the joke is that once I quit, I just fell right into that. And it's like almost unavoidable unless maybe you're like a trust fund kid, which more power to you if that's your situation. But that wasn't mine. So I still sort of entered into this space of like, okay, what's going to be the next launch? Because I need to make some money. But sometimes that's just what it is. So when we think about priority mapping or, you know, stacking priorities in a way that makes sense, you can also think about your hierarchy of needs. If you don't have income coming in, then having a season of focus being dedicated to 
starting to feel really good about marketing and learning how to do some copywriting or really refining your sales process, maybe that gets to be your first season of focus. If you have a program or something that you want to sell or a way that you know that you can generate income, you can start there. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have your needs met because would you enjoy being in a pottery class if you were so worried about income? Probably not, right? So when we're talking about the order with which you want to do things, you want to think about this in terms of what's going to feel energizing for me. And when you start there, you know, you may say, okay, well, if I do Patreon and I hype that up and I, and I create a structure around that, you know, within 90 days, I'm going to say, all right, this is my starring performer right now. And okay. Like what's the branding, right? What's this person going to wear? What's, what's that starring cast members vibe going to be? Let me spend some time really coaching that cast member to do a great job on stage because eventually they're going to just get on stage and do their thing. And they're not going to need you anymore as the director as much. That's another thing. We want to remember that the season of focus is to gain momentum so that you get energy back. That is the goal. That is the point of it. So if one of your main needs is I need to gain some momentum with having a steady flow of income, then it would be a good idea to have one season of focus be dedicated to something that is income generating, maybe before you dedicate a full season of focus to your passion project or your hobby. Now, it doesn't mean that hobbies don't have space in your life. This is why we love structure. Schedule time each week to indulge in a hobby but it's not going to be your main focus. Not going to trump. It's not going to come over and above that monetization piece if that's what you truly need. So we don't want to get into the space where we're like seasons of focus. Everything could happen, like cast members, and so we don't want to get to the place where we're not being real about what it means to run a business. Because you can do that. You learn if you learn through experience. Then be my guest. But it's not fun. It's not fun to show up and try to do things and you know, be online and all of this when you don't have that financial support. For me, one of my seasons of focus was applying for grants and business loans because I began to let go of this idea that in the first year of business, I was just going to come out of the gate and make all these massive sales. Just because we follow people online who have all these stories about the thousands upon thousands of dollars that they make in their launches. Not everyone is that way. And a lot of people who speak that way is because they teach about money specifically. So that's such a different world. When you're teaching something a little bit less tangible, like creativity and processes and things like that, it might take a while for your people to catch on and understand how valuable that is. It might take a while for you to get your marketing to a place where you can help people understand how valuable that is. So for me, I was like, you know what? Either I'm going to have to get a job again, or I'm going to get some funding from the government. And I created a whole season of focus around researching loans and grants. And now I'm in a space where my nervous system can settle because I have support. I have funding now. And so now I can make different choices. So it's really about being creative in your approach while honoring your needs. I think that's a really powerful sweet spot. I love that. That is excellent advice like we all want to be creative and have fun and that the point of this conversation is not like oh well put that away in a drawer and get to work and then bring it back out 
it's like, no, we need to be realistic. Like you said, I'm not going to have fun in pottery class if I'm freaking out about my next bill. That's not going to make any sense. It's not even going to be enjoyable. And then I'll probably beat myself up for spending money on the pottery class. And then that's when we create that whole cycle of shame and I shouldn't have spent my money that way. And then we go down that whole path that we've all been down. So yeah, I think that's some great advice my business coach gave me too, was she's like, oftentimes when you see people experimenting and trying all these low ticket offers, it's actually because they've built financial stability where they have the space to experiment. It doesn't matter if they're flop, they're launch flops because they're like, who cares? I have monthly recurring revenue. I have money in the bank. If you have no money in the bank and you're just starting out and you have like a thousand dollars to get your thing up and running, that's probably not the best time to be like, I'm going to start this whole new thing that I have zero evidence if it works or not just to see for shits and giggles, because that's going to throw you into that chaotic nervous system dysregulation, which is very hard to come out of. It's just really dysregulating. And we want regulated nervous systems. We want money in the bank and we want to be creative. And you know what? Yeah. I'm I'm like smiling and laughing because I still learned that the hard way last year. I was like, y'all, I made this ebook. You should get it. And it was like, I was like, I don't understand why I'm not making more money. (laughs) With this $37 product, like, I'm just so confused. I thought tiny offers were the thing. Tiny offers are great if you have a whole funnel, a bunch of ads, like, a huge amount of people coming in. But I still have no regrets because we live and we learn and it's fine, right? In the end, in the end, it all works out because you're learning so much. But I wanted to mention something, and that is passive focus. So, you know, I teach a three-part focus framework. I don't know if we'll be able to get into it today, but definitely come check out my podcast. The whole first season is about focus. So you can get a lot of information on that. But one type of focus that I teach about is called passive focus. So just like you said, okay, yeah, it's true. If I am like, okay, you know what? I'm just feeling this call to do pottery for a while. I'm going to do that, right? That would probably upset your nervous system actually, because if, if it's time to focus on income generating activities and that's just what it's time for and it's our job right as the ceo or the founder of the company to be able to make those decisions but it doesn't mean you can't have fun and passive focus passive focus means start the pottery inspiration board on pinterest and pin every day if you want to watch youtube videos even if you're not you know setting aside all this time to go buy the materials and go to the classes follow pottery people on instagram like you can still engage with that thing in a more passive way, you can still keep it in your peripheral. It can still be the song that's playing in the background, even if it's not the main star of your production right now today. So I think that's really important to say too. It does not need to be all or nothing. Before I was actually starting the podcast, I was listening to podcasts about starting podcasts. I was looking at people who maybe would be a great coach and someone who could help me. You know, I was making like podcast art that I didn't even end up using just for fun to see how that would feel, you know, and it wasn't taking up hours upon hours upon hours of my week or distracting me from launching my first group program, for example, but it was something that I still was able to have in my awareness. So I think that's really important for everyone to remember as well. Oh, I love that. Just the awareness piece. It's almost like the the vision boards, right? It's like, yeah, it might not happen today or tomorrow, but it's in my sphere. I know it's coming. It's just not right now. And that's okay. I love, love, love that advice. I would love to end with two questions. What are some of your multi-passions? Ooh, well, I love to write as well. 
My degree is in English and in creative writing, so it's always been a space where I like to express. Big journaler. I've been journaling since I was six, so that's a big one. I love making things with my hands. I will be honest, I don't do it as much anymore, but there was a time where I would make all my own greeting cards, send them to my family every holiday, every birthday. It was always a handmade card. Um, it would be great to get back to that at some point because my family's probably like, oh man, we missed your handmade cards, but it's fine. Um, I also have a big passion for home decor. I love the manipulation of physical space and the different feelings that that can give you. So I love that. I sing, I play the ukulele, I write my own original songs, and I also do covers. I love singing. That is a passion that will, that's going to have a season of focus at some point. I'm going to like release an EP and do a little, like all of that. It's not today. It's not right now, but that season of focus is coming and I'm excited about that. Um, what else? I like fashion. I don't know if I would say it's one of my passion right now. I'm really into just like jewelry and accessories, <laughs> um, and kind of adornment. I think that's a really beautiful thing. And I love handmade jewelry and supporting handmade makers. Um, what else? Oh, I'm learning how to roller skate. Oh yeah. So that's really fun. Jumped right on that trend. So I'm learning how to roller skate. I also love to hula hoop. I taught myself hula hooping. From YouTube, I can do a bunch of tricks. It's really, really fun. And I also love graphic design, which shows up and has shown up for me so powerfully in my business. And now I'm at the stage where I'm starting to let it go because I'm hiring help. So it's like, oh, so bittersweet. But I love graphic design. I'm so grateful that I've been able to make my own graphics for so long because I really enjoy it. Um, And podcasting, I would say, has become one of my passions. It's oh my gosh I love it. <laughs> and nail art I feel like we both love nail art we love nail art that is one of the things where if I'm like stressed out I'm like let me just go on Pinterest and look at nail art and then I just feel better <laughs> I really do I'm like it's so creative yeah exactly and one of the last things I want to talk about which I think is so fascinating is the hack of changing your Instagram bio when you add a passionate creative endeavor to your list of things that you offer And before we got online, we were talking about how you added podcast hosts. And you said, I actually think this is a manifestation hack. Can you talk about that for a second? Yeah, I think Instagram bios are one of the most overlooked manifestation hacks ever. Instagram bios and passwords. I use passwords to manifest very specific things. And also Instagram bio. I remember, for example, putting in my Instagram bio that I was a speaker. It was like, you know, coach, whatever, whatever speaker. And I had not been invited on anybody's podcast. I hadn't done anything speaking, but I knew like when I got that opportunity, it was going to happen. And that same year I did a keynote from a stage. So sometimes, and also the Instagram bio is so easy to change, like so easy to change. So when we talk about archetypes or trying on something and seeing what it feels like, Instagram bio is a dope way to do that. You know, um, I'm really moving into a space of stepping into not just the work that I do with focus, but now prioritizing as well and stacking those together. So right now my Instagram bio says like, I help multi-passionates create clear priorities so they don't feel pressured to do all the things at once. And 
there was a time when I would have felt like that is too specific. Like, no, I just help multi-passionates feel empowered. I don't want to say pride. I don't want to say this, but I'm trying this on. I'm figure. I'm feeling into this new lane, you know? And the first thing I did was change my Instagram bio. I haven't even really put out that much content about priorities, but it's in my bio right now today. So I think use your Instagram bio to manifest. If you, um, if you want to be a speaker, put speaker in there. If you are working on a writing project and you want to say that you're a writer, say that you're a writer. You can always change it later. I love that. I did that back when I started coaching. I just put mindset manifestation coach and I was like, I'll see what happens. And it worked. Like it, it made yeah. me feel like I am someone who publicly states that I am this thing. And it almost lights a fire under your ass because you're like, well, I said it, so I have to do it. So I think yeah. that helps too. It's like walking into a conference and having your title on like a name tag and everyone who meets you just is like, okay, that's what you are. Like, no one's going to go, are you really, you know, no one's going to question that. (laughs) No one would do that at a conference. That would be so weird. Right. It's, it's kind of the same with the Instagram bio. So yeah, I think people need to have more fun with it and use it to manifest and also passwords. Like my VA and I have a joke that like, oh, all of our passwords from last year are are manifesting. Like we could be like joke about it. We're like, dang, those passwords coming through. (laughs) I love that. That really is such a like unknown hack. Yeah. Like if you join a coaching program, for example, you can make your password, the name of the coaching program and then success story. So that you're saying, I'm not just in this program. I'm going to be, they're going to feature me as a student who like, did the things and got the results. Like I use passwords. So now we have a password management system so that I don't have to come up with them. Cause I also feel like I'm just out of passwords. Like why haven't we moved past this passwords and and cables? Like I'm tired of plugging things in. It's, it's 2022. Like, you know, we have the metaverse. We don't need outlets. Like that's how I feel about it. Um, It's so annoying, but yeah, if you do have to make a password manually manifest some shit with that, like, Oh, I love that. It's because you have no attachment to things like passwords. You know what I mean? So you just put it out there and you literally do just let it go. You're not thinking like, oh, I hope this password works. (laughs) Like You just make it and then you leave it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to bringing it into reality. You're probably typing it in every day or every week. So it's Mm -hmm. starting to be a sponge that you're just soaking in that word over and over again. And it's almost inevitable. At some point, it will come into your reality. Love that. So my last question, I ask every guest this, you are clearly an expert in multi-passionate mastery in structure and focus, but this podcast is called in my non-expert opinion. So what are you not an expert in that you wish that you were? I am not an expert in domestic housework. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like cleaning. I don't like doing the dishes. I would love to provide someone an income to help me with those things in the future. I think it's because I worked as a nanny for so many years and had to take care of other people's households. I do it, obviously, but it is just not fun. And I grow in a lot. I actually want to use EFT tapping to retrain my brain to enjoy cleaning and to find it peaceful because I'm not in that space right now. I'm not an expert. And I, and I envy people who... Uh, like are very neat and tidy. I'm very much that messy creative archetype. Things get messy real quick, especially if I'm in like a creative flow. So yeah, not an expert at being a minimalist or like <laughs> super tidy all the time. No, no. Okay, so we'll see. Maybe that's your next manifestation 
maybe we'll see you on a zoom and we'll see like a beautiful organized i'm like i see an organized background right now but that's a wall chelsea that's a wall with a shelf and if i turn the camera to the side of the room you'd be like okay i see your point i'm dead i love that it's well, not guys, dirty but it's, it's messy just, you know what i mean yeah it's just we're all a little bit like that that's the mind of a creator yeah. you know we're a little bit messy it's okay yeah. Well, I have absolutely loved this conversation and you all definitely need to go subscribe to Multi-Passionate Mastery. You can find episodes like how I gained massive momentum in my biz as a multi-passionate, the how to finish your, what you start as a multi-passionate episode is one of my favorites. And then the powerful intersection between focus and determination, also a really good one. I love all of them. I'm a little biased because I also helped <laughs> you with this, but I yes. I listened to all them before they went live and I was like actually taking notes. I'm like, okay, Chelsea, right. Your favorite down. is coming out next week. Why you don't have anything to prove is coming oh, out next week. Can't wait. So yeah. <laughs> guys, make sure you check out our podcast, but where else can people find you and what's coming up? You the podcast is a great launch pad, so definitely start there because in the show notes we have links to everything that's relevant. You can also follow me on Instagram. It's Joy Knows How. Joy with an I, a period in between each word. So join us how you can find me there. And if you want to just like come all the way into my world, go to my website, poke around a little bit. I've got a quiz on there. You can sign up for my email list. And my email list this year is a lot of fun. I send updates anytime a new podcast comes out. But then at the end of the month, I have a new volume of What Joy Knows, which is some no fluff. Life advice for multi-passionates, and then a roundup of things that I am currently loving, and it's getting great response so far. So that'll be really fun to get all twelve issues. And if you sign up, I'll send you any issues that you missed, and you can get all caught up. Oh, love that! Okay, we'll be include we'll be including all this in the show notes, everyone. So be sure to check them out. And like she said, check out her podcast, Multi-Passionate Mastery. It's absolutely incredible, and I'm so glad you came on and dropped all this knowledge. Thank you. This is going to help so many people. Thank you so much for having me. So who's running to go figure out what their season of focus is? I know I am. It was actually perfect timing because I'm working on something behind the scenes right now. And it really is the main character star of my show. I love the analogy she used. I love the concept she brought to us because they really are so helpful. I know in a world where we're bombarded with content, and you want to be a content creator and a coach and an influencer and a podcaster and a blogger, it can just get overwhelming. So I've been there. I know what it's like to try and pick one thing or niche down. And I really hope by listening to this podcast, you feel like you don't have to niche down and you can be a multi-passionate. You just have to learn how to master it with time management, with energy, with prioritization. And that's really where Deanna comes in. So be sure to check out her podcast, Multi-Passionate Mastery. She also has an incredible ebook. She has courses. Follow her on Instagram, joy.knows.how. And tag us on Instagram stories after you listen. Let us know your favorite part, what you learned. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I'll see you later this week as we continue March Madness, dropping two episodes a week this month, Tuesdays and Fridays. Thank you for listening.